just to strengthen. just to stress. There is a beginning returning members meeting after this meeting from 1130 to 12 with additional time to ask questions. A link will be provided at the end of the meeting to enter the beginning, the beginners returning members meeting, and you can leave that meeting at any time. So today is October 15th, 2023. We are reading from the Big Book of AA, pages 78, Most Alcoholics O, up to and including page 79, We Thought He Ought. Maria will be our reader, followed by a 20-minute share by Rita Q. Maria, please read. Good morning. My name is Maria M. I'm a recovered compulsive eater from New Jersey. Most Alcoholics owe Money. We do not dodge our creditors. Telling them what we are trying to do, we make no bones about our drinking. They usually know it anyway, whether we think so or not. Nor are we afraid of disclosing our alcoholism on the theory it may cause financial harm. Approve, approached in this way, the most ruthless creditor will sometimes surprise us. Arranging the best deal we can, we let these people know we are sorry. Our drinking has made us slow to pay. We must lose our fear of creditors, no matter how far we have to go. For we are liable to drink if we are afraid to face them. Perhaps we have committed a criminal offense, which may which might land us in jail if it were known to the authorities. We may be short in our accounts and unable to make good. We have already committed this incompetence, admitted this incompetence to another person, but we are sure we would be imprisoned or lose our job if it were known. Maybe it's only a petty offense such as padding the expense account. Most of us have done that sort of thing. Maybe we are divorced and have remarried, but haven't kept up the alimony to number one. She is indignant about it and has a warrant out for our arrest. That's a common form of trouble too. Although these reparations take innumerable forms, they are some gen there are some general principles which we find guiding, reminding ourselves that we have decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience. We ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences may be. We may lose our position or reputation or face jail, but we are willing. We have to be. We must not shrink at anything. Usually, however, other people are involved. Therefore, we are not to be the hasty and foolish martyr who would needlessly sacrifice others to save himself from the alcoholic pit. 
a man we know had remarried. Because of resentment and drinking, he had not paid alimony to his first wife. She was furious. She went to court and got an order for his arrest. He had commenced our way of life, had secured a position, and was getting his head above water. It would have been impressive heroics if he had walked up to the judge and said, here I am. We thought he ought to be willing to do that if necessary, but if he were in jail, he could provide nothing for either family. We suggested that he write his first wife admitting his faults and asking forgiveness. He, he did and also sent a small amount of money. He told her what he would try to do in the future. He said he was perfectly willing to go to jail if she insisted. Of course, she did not, and the whole situation has long since been adjusted. Thanks, Maria. Now we will have a 20-minute share by Rita Q. Rita, will you please share? Of course. Thanks so much, Karen. Thanks to everybody giving service. Um, my name is Rita Q. Recovered, not cured. Impossible reader. So I'm just going to really, i got to bring God into this one. Um, so I'm just going to say a quick prayer. Lord, take me where you want me to go. Let me meet who you want me to meet. Tell me what you want me to say and keep me and my ego out of your way, please. So I have written in the top of my big book above this paragraph. This is further down the path of ego reduction. So I'm just going to qualify quickly for those who haven't um, heard my story before. I came to away in 2003, got really good recovery for about five and a half years and then took my off the ball. I had that lurking notion it talks about in page 33. And I started eating again. I came in at about 350 pounds. I went back out, slim, slim, almost a normal body weight. And then just went out for reinforcements, basically, and came back at 400 pounds. Um, I am a gutter drunk. I ate like Bill drank. I gave up alcohol in 2002. I'm not an alcoholic. So I wasn't a hard, I was a hard drinker, but I wasn't an alcoholic. I was able to give that overnight, up overnight, because I got diagnosed in 2002 with a very rare autoimmune disease very similar to lupus I was put on a lot of steroids that's actually what got me into a way because <clears throat> my eating was completely out of control and then um and I couldn't I couldn't see what the food was doing to me I could just see what it was doing for me and what I didn't realize then was that I was it was emotional eating I didn't realize that what I had was a spiritual malady so I think hopefully we've all got that in common you know we're bodily different I'm bodily different than my husband he can eat half of something and I'm thinking, what are you doing? I'm mentally different because I have an obsession in my head that just will not stop talking. And I always, always relate it to one of those old transistor radios where you're trying to tune in. You know, if you go on a big, long journey in the car and you're trying to tune the music back in, back in the day, and it was like, and you could kind of hear Madonna's Holiday or something in the background, but you couldn't quite get it tuned. That to me is what the disease of compulsive overeating sounds like. I couldn't quite get higher power back when I went back out in the food. I knew he was there, but I just couldn't quite because I was blocking him with more food and more food. And every time somebody pissed me off, which was pretty much 23 hours, 57 minutes of the day, if I was awake, then I started to, I wanted to eat. 
because I had that, you know, I'm mentally different. And then I had a spiritual malady, the bondage of self. And I never realized I was a selfish person. You know, I didn't know my life was me, 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 to the tune of I, I, I. You know, I always thought I'll do anything for you, but I had a list. And I never really saw that list until I got recovered. I had a list of, oh, I've done this for you. I've done this for you. I've, wh- where's my birthday? Because my birthday is at Christmas. A really big step forward for me because people go, here's your birthday and Christmas. I'm like, they're two separate things. So it was always like, you know, I just had a constant almost grudge list. So these are things now that I've shared. And thankfully, on a daily basis, they go when I do my step tens. So when Kim sent me the paragraph, I really appreciate being asked. But I thought she doesn't. She's very sneaky. She gives you the dates. She doesn't tell you the paragraph. So I got the paragraph, thought, this is a doozy. I can't relate to this. And then I thought, actually, no, I can. So I did. I wasn't a compulsive overeater who owed money. And on paper, my life was great. I was happily married. I had a really good job. My house was paid for. But I just couldn't stop eating. I could not stop eating. I could not stop thinking about food. My husband and I would go out for dinner. And I would literally be bullying him like a CIA agent to get into to have dessert. Why aren't you having dessert? What do you mean you're not having dessert? What, what's wrong with the dessert? Why don't you like that? You normally have that dessert. He'd be like, I'm full. And I'm like, what's that? So when I first came into OA, I think we all do this. We see the steps. I'm at your powerless over food. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm 350 pounds. I can barely walk. I'm breaking garden furniture. Yeah, I think I'm powerless over food. God, that's easy. I'm Catholic. Got that down. Got that down. Strict religious upbringing. Fine. Third one. Yeah, I can do that. Fourth, fifth, sixth. You get to step nine. It's like, what now? Sorry, what now? I have to go back and tell people. So, you know, this is this is what the amends are. And there's there's four A's in the amend. You've got to ask for forgiveness. Admit where you're wrong, for me anyway. Ask what I can do to make it right. And is there anything else I need to know? They're the four A's I try and follow when I make my amends now. And, you know, I'm just reading this. So I didn't know money. We don't dodge your creditors. So I saw this as we don't dodge the people we need to make amends to. And I have in the past done living amends. So my living and amends were always those ones that were like, yeah, I don't want to do that. I'm going to do living amends. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Living amends, living amends. Of course, I've been taught now over time that my amend has got to be how I made the, how I made the mistake. So if I did it face to face, I got to do it face to face where possible, except when to injure them with others. That is, that is a joker card I used to use of not doing it. I'm going to injure them. Oh, no, I can't look at them. That'll injure them. Do you know what I mean? It's that I will I will try and talk myself out of anything. So it says, we usually know it anyway, whether we think so or not, nor are we afraid of disclosing our alcoholism. I have no, absolute no qualms in telling anybody now I'm a compulsive overeater. None at all. Because it was obvious, you know, and at 350 pounds and 400 on my second turn four and a half years ago when I came back, that didn't happen because I had a snack accident. I could not stop eating. So it was obvious to everybody. My poor family were worried sick about me. You know, I, it wasn't a stage. I had stage four cancer. That wasn't going to kill me. It was going to be the food. Do you know what I mean? It was the eating. And I said, our drinking has made us slow to pay. We must lose our fear of creditors no matter how far we have to go for we're liable to drink. You know, if, we, if we're afraid to face them. The thing is, if I'm not going to do this, if I am scared to do this, then I'm in step one again. I'm back in step one because I'm, 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 I'm believing I've got power in this game. I believe in I've got, you know, shade in this game. I don't have any. I'm powerless over food, but I'm powerless over people, places and things as well. You know, in the doctor's opinion, 
it's some there's a paragraph which I wish had been given today um, that sums my illness up. It says, you know, men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. I love the effect by my alcoholic foods. I love the effect of volume. And I knew it was injurious, but I couldn't, after a time, differentiate for the truth from the false. It was all I knew. And I remember one of my friends, who's a doctor, said to me, how did you not know what 350 you know, pounds? How did you not know you were a compulsive overeater? And I'm like, this is all I knew. You know, this was all I knew. And I grew up in a family of probably potential comp- compulsive overeaters. It was all I knew. So, you know, it says here, we must not have fear. And what I always say to people when I'm taking them through the book, you know, resentment's trying to change the past and fear is trying to change the future. That's what fear is. I'm trying to change the future. It's false evidence appearing real. I'm trying to t- change something that hasn't happened yet. I'm walking into a situation that I don't have any control over. So I have to step out. And, you know, and for anybody who's old school, I always say, if you've seen the Indiana Jones movie and they're telling him to step out in the bridge, I think it's Temple of Doom. They're like, Indy, there's a bridge, step out. And he goes, I can't see the bridge. And suddenly he steps forward and he can see, there's an, an imaginary bridge. That to me is a step in many ways. You know, I'm making an amend. I'm fixing something that I've done wrong. And, you know, we're given a warning here. It says we must, we must lose our fear. You know, because the must... We're given lots of warnings in the book, and this is a warning. And we get one in 79 as well. It says reminding ourselves. That's another warning. They're, they're throughout the book. So it says, luckily I hadn't, well, committed a criminal offence. No, thank God I hadn't. But, you know, we continue on down. It says maybe if only a petty offence, such as padding the expense account, right? A lie is a lie is a lie is a lie. That's what I always say to myself now, because I'm always thinking, well, I didn't kill anybody. No, but you still didn't know only did something wrong. You know, I have to be rigorously honest in all my affairs now. The spiritual principle of the step, step nine is love. And if I don't be rigorously honest, I start slipping in my emotional sobriety. And when that starts to slip, I'll only ever see relapse in the rearview mirror. I, I can't see it coming. But when I look back and I think, oh, yeah, when I look back to what happened to me before, I think stop going to meetings. I wasn't making as many outreach calls. I got cocky. You know, and it says alcohol is a subtle foe, food's a subtle foe. You know, my mental twist will say, you know what? I can just have one, of course. I can just, if I had a dollar bill for every time I thought I could just have one, I'd be virtually than Bill Gates. I'm telling you now. Because I genuinely believed I could have just one. So it goes on, maybe we are divorced and have remarried, but haven't kept the alimony to number one. She's indignant about it, had a warrant for our arrest. That's a common form of trouble too. You know, that's like the guy coming up from the cellar. Nothing to see here, you know. Don't see what there is to bother. I I was a tornado. I didn't realize what I was wrecking through life. I thought, like the actor who wants to run the show, that I was doing good by everybody. But all I was doing was spinning plates and trying to keep them up in the air all the time. And they were crashing down around me, except I couldn't see the crashes. That's what was happening. And then another warning, it says, reminding ourselves we have decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience. You know, when we're told and we are agnostics, page 52, it says when we see others solve their problems by a simple reliance upon the spirit of the universe, we had to stop doubting the power of God. Other ideas did not work, but the God idea did. When I allow God to come in, it's beautiful. And God will always do for me what I cannot do for myself, but he will not do for me what I can. And when I sit down and I talk to somebody and I say, right, I need to, I've done so many amends. Oh my gosh, I did so many. And you know what? There's not one person slapped me across the face. 
Nobody punched me. Nobody slammed the door in my face. They were all beautiful. They were all beautiful. Um, and it says, we ask, we be given strength and direction. That's not a loophole. I use that as a loophole. Sometimes I thought, yeah, we'll just, that's the one, that's where I'm talking about. We'll just leave it as a living amends. But it says in the 12 and 12, it says, you know, only one consideration, the A 12 and 12, only one consideration is qualifier deserve for complete disclosure of the damage we have done, where a full rev- revelation would seriously harm the one to whom we are making amends. And at the very end of the 12 and 12, it says, Above all, we should try to be absolutely sure we are not delaying because we are afraid for the readiness to take the full consequences of our past acts and to take responsibility for the well-being of others at the same time as the very spirit of step nine. I can only keep my side of the street clean, but I have to clean it all. I really have got to gut it out. And I can't hold stuff back, you know, because that's what I did. You only got to see the showbiz me. You only got to see the nice me, you know, the stuff that I had in here, I had to ex- it was excavation when I first did it, you know, when I first really pulled it out in four and five, I had to admit where I was wrong. So it goes on to say here that I call that the little step nine prayer. We ask, we've been given strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences be. We may lose our position or reputation or face jail, but we are willing. We have to be, we must not shrink as at anything. You know, this, the spiritual it's a spiritual life that we have to live you know and what I love about this is we must not shrink I can't hide from this now I can't it doesn't matter what other people think of me it's none of my business when I make the amend what they say and do if they come back hair drying on me that's okay I just need to sit there and ask for God's protection it's never happened but that's all I can do and it says you know it goes on to say I've written it down the side here. It says, forgiveness surrenders my right to revenge. You know, and before when I would have said sorry, there was always a but in it. There was always a but. And it was always like, I'm really sorry that I shouted at you, but you were doing my head in because you did this, this and this. That's not an amend. That's me being a bitch. Sorry for the language. But, you know, that is not an amend. But that's how I would have done it before in the past, before program. But now this book gives me instructions because you know what the big book does for me? It tells me what I was like and it tells me how to get better. And I have to remember that. I have to refer to the big book anytime, you know. And the reason I can't look for a loophole is because I looked for loopholes everywhere and I have only got. It's like if I hear people saying, I slipped, oh, you know, I slipped ahead. And I think a slip to me is an accidental fall. That's what I was taught. And I can't accidentally fall into the fridge and accidentally take out an extra bit of something and accidentally put it on the plate and then accidentally eat it. That's not a slip. That's a conscious decision. And that's the loophole kind of things that I do in the past that I did, sorry, to try and, you know, not be recovered or to try and push the boundaries because I'm a human. I'm not higher power. I am human. I will try and push those boundaries every time. So it goes on to say a man we know was remarried because of resentment and drinking. He'd not paid alimony to his first wife. She was furious. She went to court and got an order for his arrest. He commenced our way of life, had secured a position and was getting his head above water. It would have been impressive for Oleg had he walked up to the judge and said, here I am. And then it says we thought he ought to be willing to do that if necessary. We are told we've got to go down the lengths. You know, and it says in the inventory process, if we skip this step, we may drink again. You know, and I know that because that happened to me. It happened to me, and I just know if I don't do everything it says in this book, I, I'll, I'll be sunk. And I remember the pain of the relapse. I never thought I'd get out of the food. And I want to say to anybody who's eaten, 
I got out of the food at 400 pounds. It was a divine intervention and it was a spiritual. We are promised a spiritual awakening. We're promised this in the book. And I did have one. And that's what got me out of it. But I had to chop food. and I, I have to chop wood and fetch water every single day of my life now in this program. Every morning I get up, I have to start at step one. I absolutely have to. I have to admit I'm powerless over food and my life is unmanageable. I acknowledge it to God. Some days, and we, I was talking about this with friends last night, they said, if you have big spiritual practice in the morning, I'm like, are you kidding me? Some days I'm like, there's a car alarm going off three, three streets away. I think it's my car. I know it's not my car. I get distracted. I get distracted by a fly in another country. I'm terrible. But what I do is I speak to God and I start that relationship every morning. I use my God muscle and I'm in. Hand it over to him three. I'm in, you know, I'm in three by the time I go to the loo. And then the minute, oh, thanks a million. The minute my hand hits the front door, I'm on step 10 because, you know, everything goes great until I come in contact with another human being and then I'm sunk. So, you know, it's just that every day. I go through all the steps every day. I owe my tens back 11. I fill the cup up again, you know, take it out of step 10, take the trash out 11 filling it up again 12 talking to god and helping others because that's all i can do and that's the chopping wood fetch water that i talk about and i've had a really hard week with my health this last fortnight i've had a lot of tests and a lot of scans it's been really difficult but i suddenly realized yesterday i got really upset in the home meeting yesterday i thought oh my gosh what am i and then i thought you're doing the exact same thing you do every day whether you're happy sad you know angry lonely tired i'm doing the same thing because consistency in this program will trump intensity because I don't know how you dieted, but I dieted with intensity. You know what I mean? It was always like, yeah, let's do this. I've got to do this. I bought the top scales. I had all the measuring products. I had everything. And then three days later, I was in the food. Four days later, I was in the food. You know, and I tried everything, every pay and way. The only thing I didn't do surg- it was surgery because I knew I'd still want to blow my brains out when I got them. I knew there was something up, you know. So it says we thought he ought to be willing. So we mustn't shrink. This is really, a, this paragraph is really about a design for love. And this really works in hard times, whatever that looks like. We suggest that he write his first wife admitting his faults. And, and it's just about honesty. You know, sometimes if we just sit down and say, you know what? I'm really sorry. I, I ballsed up. I messed up. You know, people are usually okay. And the thing is, we're told the Oxford group that predated AA, you know, there was four impediments to recovery. A resentment you won't get rid of. I'll put this in the chat. A secret you won't tell, a vagarious thrill like gossip, and a restitution you won't make. If there is something that you're holding back on, this is where the power, for me, this is where my power came in for the program where I really allowed God to do for me what I couldn't do was step nine, because I really stepped out in faith when I went to people and said, look, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry for doing this. And I always say now, before I hit my my head at night, before I'm a pillow, my head hits the pillow at night. I always say, what was I like to live with today? It's one of the last things I write in my, in, in my inventory. What was I like to, like to live with today? Because my husband did not know what he was getting. See, when I came in the front door in the food, he just didn't know what I was getting. Um, you know, and, and there was just a constant, it was like being in a pinball machine. I just remember liking it to be in a pinball machine. I was banging from resentment to fear, you know, anger. It was just constant. And now it's pretty much in an even keel most of the time. I mean, I still get annoyed. I get annoyed at the news. I get annoyed at whatever. But, you know, I don't have to act on my feelings anymore because feelings aren't facts and they don't require action at all times, you know. So I just finished by saying, 
he said he was perfectly willing to go to jail if she insisted. Of course she didn't, and the whole situation has long been since since been adjusted. This has just been one miracle after another for me, this program, and I see it all the time. And I just want to share something really special. I went to a friend's dad's funeral two weeks ago, and it was beautiful, an Irish funeral, and I got quite upset when I got out because it reminded my parents' funeral, and I came into the car, and I was saying to God, God, it wasn't exciting. And thank God I held it together before, after I saw her. And I hear God say, you need to go and see your neighbour, Miss um, a lady, that, Mrs. Bashir, her name was, she was lovely and she was a neighbour of mine. I thought, do you know what? Oh, well, and I went and bought a big bunch of sunflowers and I called in. We had a cup of tea and we chatted for ages. She died three days later, suddenly. And I just thought, I actually feel really emotional about it because I thought, thank you, God. Thank you for giving me that grace to be able to hear you. Because, you know, if I'd been in the food, I would have thought, oh, yeah, I do need to go and see her. I'll do it tomorrow and go to a drive through because I had against my will all the time. That's not, you know, and, and, and that's what the channel for God, that's what step nine does for me. It opens up the channel wider. He comes in, you know, before in recovery. I, I don't know about you. I always had faith. That was never an issue for me, but I didn't believe God could do it. When I start saying, I've got this, I'm screwed. Because I had two, there's two, I always say there's two rooms in my house. There's recovery and left. disease. Thanks a million, Karen. One, there's two rooms in my house, recovery and disease. And when I was in the food or in and out of the food or kind of slipping and sliding, whatever you want to call it, I, uh, I mean, I was slipping and sliding like a nice professional ice skater, but back in, in relapse. But I used to pray to God. I said, please let me. Basically, what I said was, please let me, but stay thin. Please let me not put on weight. Please take away the noise in my head. And when I picked up that noise, started again. But the noise isn't there anymore. It's like tinnitus, isn't it? It's not there anymore. And that's incredible. So going to see my neighbour the other day, I got to go to the funeral and it was just beautiful. And I just thanked him. I said, thank you. Thank you for giving me that opportunity. And I say that to people I make amends to now. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me the space and hearing me. And now when people say sorry for me, that's all good. I don't need to give you a list of anything to say back. I've had loads of amends made to me over the last few years. It's been wonderful. And I've never felt anger at any of them. It's not the funniest thing. I've never sat there and thought, yeah, well, I'll wait till I tell you. No, that's it's always been, gosh, I hadn't even noticed or thank you. I really appreciate it. Because now what the program is for me, it's not about getting what I want. It's what and what I have. And I say, please, in the morning, thank you at night. And in between, I try and help other compulsive overeaters and just really live my best life. I really am. You know, I'm really gifted now, I, you know. I just feel really grateful. I feel very emotional, actually. I feel very, very grateful to be alive. Last night I got to dance. You know, four years ago, I couldn't, I was in a wheelchair. Couldn't even walk and I was riddled with stage four cancer. So this life is a miracle and it's the only one I have. So I want to do it sober and I want to do it where I can hear God. So now I'm trying to live my life, particularly in the times that we have at the minute. Does it need to be said? Does it need to be said now? And does it need to be said by me? I don't think so anymore. Because, you know, as one of my really good friends says, you're going to have to excuse that. Opinions are like our souls. We all have one. I don't need to give you mine today. So with that beautiful wording, I shall leave it there. And thank you so much for hearing me. And thanks for letting me come today. Rita, that was great. Thank you so much.